You're listening to the Biz Babes with Soul podcast with your host, Melody Spencer, a show where female entrepreneurs get radically honest about life and business. Today's episode is sponsored by Swiftly Social Digital Marketing. Swiftly Social helps people create a heart-centered digital marketing and Facebook ads strategy that gets you results. For a free video tutorial on how to grow your Facebook following by 10,000 or more, visit swiftlysocial.com. Welcome to another episode of the Biz Babes with Soul podcast. I'm your host, Melody Spencer, and I'm very excited to have my friend Kate Frank here. So Kate is a book strategist and a ghostwriter, and I met her last week, and we had an amazing conversation all about marketing and business and just all the cool things she does and how she's gotten to where she is. And I really think that you're going to enjoy meeting her. So welcome, Kate. Thank you, Melody. It's it's an honor and a privilege to be on your program. Yeah. So tell everybody who may not know you yet a little bit about you and what you do. Well, what I do is bring a book to authority level people. And that sounds a little bit obtuse, so let me get a little bit deeper into it. (laughs) Um, People, according to statistics that you read here and there, according, it's either going to be in America, 85 to 95% of people, people believe that they have a book in them. Well, how come such a small number actually get a book written? Um, And there's a lot of stumbling blocks along the way. Um, And with the democratization of publishing, it's not up to the traditional publishers to make those decisions. So most people are, and, and traditional publishers don't accept any books except for two different kinds. Mm-hmm. They either accept the person that is already famous or the person that has a couple hundred thousand followers in social media. Mm-hmm. Other than that, it's close to impossible to get your book picked up by a, a, a traditional publisher. So what that means is an awful lot of people are getting ripped off by all mm-hmm. sorts of shady companies these days that offer the moon and do not deliver it. Um, what I do is coach them on what they need, what they need to, how they can make their book look like a traditional published book, and how to profit from it. And I think that's the big thing that I bring. I don't know of another person that calls themselves a ghostwriter who is also about strategy for profit, but that's more important to me than anything. Yeah, because, yeah, I, you know, we were talking about this before, but I've thought about writing a book, but then I'm like, all right, I'll spend all that time writing it, and then what am I going to do with it? Because mm-hmm. 
most people that I help market their books, they're either giving it away as an opt-in or whatever. And Mm -hmm. I just don't want to spend all that time and then not make any money off of it. So I think what you offer is very, very needed in the market because Mm -hmm. people might have a book, but they are going to feel clueless about what to do with it after. Well, and most people don't even think about what to do with it until the book is published. And I consider that the old proverbial getting the heart, uh, the cart before the horse. If you don't know what you're going to do the day your book is published and you think that when it's published, people will come and buy it, you're delusional. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. Uh, uh, the average, according to what I read, is well under 200 books sell. <laughs> okay. All right. So for the editor, sorry for the barking. <laughs> so uh, you were talking about traditional publishing versus uh, non-traditional and how it's great to uh, have a plan to market your book before completing writing it versus once the book is completed. I personally believe that you shouldn't write anything except a list of the things you might put in your book before you start planning how you're going to market it. Mm-hmm. Um, in, on my website, I literally have a list of 10 steps. Um, so that's um, authorityredefined.com. And if you go to the 10 steps, uh, there's a button there to go to. It goes into detail the different things you do in order to get your book written. And I think that is true whether somebody uses me to write their content or whether they do it all themselves. Uh, What people tend to do, um, first of all, I want to say that every single nonfiction author I've met wants to impact lives. They want yeah. to make a different difference in the world. And they believe that they have something very valuable that they can bring to the world in the way of a book. So they're very unselfish in the way that they do things. And a lot of them, the reason why they, in my opinion, do it all wrong is because they don't even think about profit. Mm. Uh, it's not what they're writing the book about. Uh, but they go through all the process, whether they go to one of the rip-off publishing companies or they do it all themselves or however they go about doing it, they get to the point that they've got a book that they can hold in their hand. Then they figure out how to market it. And that's just backwards. Yeah. That's just backwards. Uh, There's an awful lot of... Everybody I've met that qualifies to work with me has at least two or three books in them. Yeah. I mean, just thinking off the top of my head, like I think I could write a book about digital marketing, but I also Mm -hmm. would love to write a book about my own experience of creating a business and like Mm -hmm. my struggles with mental illness. And, you know, just Mm -hmm. there's a lot of things Mm -hmm. that I think people could find interesting and helpful and inspiring. And I think you're right. Everybody has many, many you could write a book on communication because that's what social media is all yeah, about. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people don't do that naturally like you do. Yeah. 
I've been told, the one thing that people tell me all the time is that I'm a connector of people. And Mm -hmm. I always have been since Mm -hmm. I was a small child. Mm -hmm. Um, And I kind of take for granted that that's not a thing that everybody Mm -hmm. is gifted at. Uh, most of us do when we're young. Um, and someday I'm going to write a book that is going to be about, I want to call it the uh, ultimate handbook for misfits, but I'm told, people <laughs> I love that. told by people that I should not because oh, the word that. misfits is offensive. But I have a strong belief in the fact that if you're in middle school, high school, and you don't fit in, somebody needs to tell you that that's great. I know. I wish somebody had told me that when I was 12. Yes. That person that you are that doesn't blend in with all the popular kids is the portion of you that is unique and valuable to the public when you get older. So cherish it, develop it, grow that part of you that makes you not fit in. Um, I recently did a teleseminar for the National um, uh, Nonfiction Authors Association, and it was about how highly sensitive people make better writers. Mm. Um, But most of us that are highly sensitive have been told a lot of times, oh, you're just being too sensitive. Hmm. And the truth is, if you look around, the people that are making a difference in this world are people that are extremely sensitive. Now, they may be selectively sensitive, or they may be generally sensitive. If you're Hmm. generally sensitive, you may think about that homeless person two hours after you pass them. Uh, you may find yourself obsessing about your friend who's having marital problems. That's crippling. Uh, And there are so many things that highly sensitive people naturally do that hurts them. She wants me to write a book about being highly sensitive. Um, And I will. I'm going to write a book for um, young adults, high school age, Uh, about being sensitive, but also just about being different. Yeah. Uh, Are you, are you unique or are you weird? You know, something to that effect, because right now at, when you're under 18, you don't have the equipment to understand that what makes you weird makes you best. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that's, you know, I think back now on who I was, you know, 12 to 18, and mm-hmm. I cringe a little because, you know, everybody cringes a little at your mm-hmm. teenage self, but I also think, like, wow, I was actually doing some cool stuff. I just didn't have the confidence to really talk exactly. about it or or really explore that with gusto, so. Exactly. So you have to reach a certain age where you don't fit in and you don't fit in and you don't fit in and you finally say, okay, what is this that keeps pushing me in the world? And how can I monetize that? How can I make a living from this thing that's different than everybody else? Yeah. Um, And when you discover that, if you discover that, then you're able to make a big impact on the world. Yeah. And and those are the kinds of people I like to work with. So uh, 
Speaking of that, how in the world did you get into this world of book strategy and um, ghostwriting? Because not everybody does that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's even hard to explain, especially if you don't believe the way I do. I believe very strongly in a higher power. I don't have much religion in my life. But... Um, I was told when I was in college, I, writing had always been easy for me, so I never thought about it. And when I was in college, uh, my sophomore year, the year I dropped out, uh, I had a professor tell me, you're never going to be a writer if you don't learn to organize your thoughts. Well, being 18 years old, what did I hear? You'll never be a writer. And because writing had always been so easy for me, I said, okay, because I'd never really thought about being a writer professionally. Um, and I stopped writing. Isn't that horrible how one person's opinion can really just shape our future for so long? I've had those experiences too where mm -hmm. I stopped writing or someone said they didn't like the way I sounded. So I was like, mm -hmm. oh, I'm, I'm never going to record myself. I'm never going to mm -hmm. be on video. Just mm -hmm. stuff like that can really impact you for years. And it just makes me so mad. And that's why as soon as I get to the point that I've got <clears throat> my business um, creating the revenue that I need to support me to take some more time off, I'm going to write this young adult book because they need to hear that. Um, and I would like to be out there as a advocate for the weird people in ages 12 to 18. Um, I think it, I could make a difference in the world if I could be out there doing that. Um, it's interesting. I see you could almost do a campaign sort of like, um, yes. I know this is off, off topic, but it's kind of like the It Gets Better campaign that the LGBTQ mm -hmm. community has. I think that would be a similar kind of thing because it does. It's, it's an adult saying, hey, it's okay to be unique. It's okay to let your freak flag fly, so to mm -hmm. speak, and mm -hmm. be you. Mm -hmm. so I think that's a great ambition. Well, what I will do in this young adult book is I know a lot of weird people. So I'm going <laughs> to go to them and I'm going to say, tell me your story. Tell me what it was like when you were a teenager and tell me what you've learned about that part of who you are now. And basically some note to self type of stories. Um, because I think that will make a difference to kids if they say, you know, I was just like you. This is what happened to me. Um, and this is what I'm doing now. Um, so that will be a part of my book. Um, but enough about my book. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, but yeah, I was going to yeah. tell you. Yeah. Okay. How so, did you get started? <laughs> yeah, there you go. I, um, I had a couple of reasons to write some articles in 1992. Um, and 
you know, I really didn't have a choice to reach the goals that I wanted to reach without doing these this writing. And, you know, I could go into more detail, but bottom line, it was extremely well accepted. I was asked to write more on a national magazine. Uh, my parents won a prize for the story I told about their marriage. And on the drive home from Oklahoma City, where my parents are, um, I got a voice from God just like if it was sitting in the seat next to me. And it said, you will be known for your writing. Wow. That was in 92. So I always had this in the back of my mind, but I had no idea how to do it. I mean, most writers are broke. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) And I was selling real estate uh, and doing very well, top producer. Um, so I looked for a way to do it. I took courses in copywriting. I learned about information marketing, which is the precursor to the marketing funnels that are used today. Mm -hmm. Um, I learned all this stuff and thought that maybe I could make the transition smoothly and it just didn't come together. And then a tree fell into my house during Ike in 2008. Wow. And by the time I got my power back, we didn't have an economy anymore. There was no real estate moving, period. Yeah, Uh, I I remember that. Yeah. yeah. You know, I personally, I'm told there are some people, but I personally don't know anyone who was in real estate in 2008 that made it through to 2014 when the market turned around without a spouse, a trust fund, or some source of substance, uh, subsistence is the word I'm looking for, just to survive it. Uh, one of the top producers nationally, I have done a lot of writing for her, and she said, I got to tell you, I had to dip into my retirement funds in order to survive. Um, That's what happened. But for me, I drained all, you know, I had to repair my house. I drained all my my, um, reserve, which wasn't much. And I could get into more story about that, but I won't. and between 2008 and 2010, I used up every single dime that I had and owed the IRS six figures of money. Oh, my goodness. So I said, okay, this is not going well. Um, God, you told me that I would be known for being a writer. So I'll just take this as a two before upside my head and I'll just trust that. <laughs> And I referred out more than a million dollars worth of business in the first quarter of 2011 and started writing for $15 an hour online. Whoo, that's a lot of trust. <laughs> well, I'm like I told you, I'm a big believer in a higher power. And because I believe that the terms for that higher power get us all screwed up, I call my my colleagues in my life, HS and J, for Holy Spirit and Jesus. And I said, I, every day, multiple times a day, I said, HS and J, have it your way. I don't know how to survive this. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to avoid being homeless. Uh, I don't know where my rent is going to come from next week. 
but I trust you. If the worst case scenario is I just can't pay my rent, then I can either go stay with friends or I can be homeless and I can survive both of those. Yeah. So I kept, kept that prayer, that mantra until, uh, okay, so that was in 2011 and in um, 2015, I started the year knowing that I was going to do ghostwriting because I saw so many self-published books that were just hard to read. Just oh, hard I've to read. read so many self-published books on Kindle that I'm like, did you even have an editor look at this? Because this is bad. Yeah, and even when the, the English is absolutely correct, a lot of people think that you look a lot smarter if you have these compound sentences that go over five lines of your book. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> you may look smart, but who's paying for your book? Make it easy on them. That's seven sentences when I write it. You know, yeah. uh, I do not allow long sentences in anything that I write. If that's important to you, then go find somebody else to work on your book. Because wh what I'm going to be writing for is for your profit and for your reader and conveying your message in your voice. Mm -hmm. That's what I do. And if your voice is a term paper or a doctoral thesis, then I'm not the girl for you. <laughs> I'm just not, I'm not going to do that. Um, so, and I reached out to a lot of people that I knew either needed a book or they needed to have their book rewritten and got nothing. Mm. And then one day I was at a networking meeting in June of 2015 and I was explaining to somebody that I knew from a workshop I'd been in how different my writing was for most writers and a publisher overheard me, and she came up to me and said, would you be willing to work with our authors? Wow, that's amazing. I Everything chills. changed. Everything wow. changed. You know, God is in it, you know. Wow. Uh, I couldn't do it on my own. I tried, and I got nowhere. <laughs> but ever since, I've been working on a book every single month. I have been working on a book since then, and um, I um, have developed systems that are very different from any other ghostwriter I know of. If somebody looks at the way I do things on my website and they know somebody that does something similar, please let me know. Um, the only people I know that are doing something similar are publishers that I consider a ripoff uh, because what they do is, you know, create a marketing funnel with mm -hmm. the story of how they do it. And then they hire cheap writers to, to do the ghostwriting. And they hire cheap cover designers or use templates for the covers. They end up giving an inferior book to that person that has paid dear money for it. And it's not as likely to sell if it looks like an amateur self-published book. If they, you know, that's really true because when I'm, you know, I use the digital library all the time. And so mm -hmm. when I'm looking at covers of books that I want to read, 
I definitely look at the title, but I also look, and I'm talking fiction too, but I also am drawn to really like unique, cool covers, pretty colors. It's almost like looking at a wine label. Sometimes Absolutely. I, I go, oh, I like that label. I'm going to drink that wine. And I say, oh, I like that cover. I'm going to read that book. Whether well, you're at least going to investigate it a little bit yeah. further. But if it looks like a template cover that you can make in Canva, yeah. you're not going to want that book. Yeah. You're not going to give and it a I, second chance. And I, I like saving money and doing things on my own. But yeah, I think a book is one place that, because it's, it's a piece of marketing for your business. You want it to look mm-hmm. like you and your brand and, and your life experience. You want it to all be wrapped up in that cover and the title of your book. You said it exactly right, Melody. All of it is a piece of your marketing, but I, I challenge you to go talk to a dozen or a hundred people that are writing a book and ask them about the important things in marketing their book. Mm-hmm. And they're not going to say those kinds of things. They don't realize what is important. They don't even realize what parts in a book. Every single author that I work with, I have to send them a book parts list because they don't know book parts. Well, if you don't know book parts, you don't have any business Mm -hmm. (laughs) self-publishing. You just don't uh, because you're going to look like a self-published book. And having all the book parts in place is just one of the ingredients of your marketing campaign. Yeah. So if someone wants to uh, write a book um, and they're not sure they should hire somebody, what would you say is the first thing they should do? If they just think, I I should write a book, what do they do? They sit down and write down ideas or how would you suggest they get started? Don't start writing your book. (laughs) That's the first thing. I actually, like I said, whether they use me or not, I think that people will get value out of looking at the 10 steps that I have on my website uh, because I really believe that the first step is to inventory all the knowledge that you've got. Um, Some people like to use digital forms, but I think in most cases, even if you use digital because it's convenient, you have your phone with you all the time, uh, you still need to get it into a form that's easily sortable. And for me, that's a three by five card. So don't try to write anything. Write, as you think that you've got a book to write, You're going to have ideas that are going to come when you're in the shower, when you're driving Mm -hmm. down the road, you're going to have, and just reduce them to paper, reduce them to that three by five card and use a keyword like um, Bob at the barbecue. You know, something to jog your memory. Exactly. If you have Bob at the barbecue on a three by five card, when it comes to actually write your book, that story is going to come as natural as everything. So that's the first thing to do uh, is to get an inventory and don't stop to do anything else until that inventory is recorded. Because what's going to happen as you inventory all the things that you know is you'll, the next steps will make a whole lot more sense to you. Mm. Um, um, because the next step is to analyze who's hungry for what you have to say. Yeah. 
you know, who, who's that baby bird with their mouth wide open, hoping that you'll tell them this information. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you identify that person that's hungry for what you have to say, and you've got this inventory of stuff that you know, pretty quickly, you're going to figure out who your ideal reader is. And you so need to know that. By doing that, will that help you stick out from say, like I'm thinking about me, there are loads and loads of female entrepreneurs who write books. Mm -hmm. Yep. So that would help me stick out as a potential author to find the people to read my book. Even more than that, Melody, it's um, if you go through the entire 10 steps, you will identify where you're going to be with that message. And that's the difference between you and everybody else, because Mm -hmm. your competitors probably don't leverage it right. They Mm -hmm. probably don't use it as a platform to launch off of. Um, So, you know, having those 10 steps in place um, allows you to be ready because the, the, the eighth step is for you to turn it over to, to me for me to write it. If you choose not to do that, then that's the step where you start writing from your yeah. three by five cards, from your, from your, you know, the things that you've identified in the earlier steps. You start writing after you have this inventory done and after you sorted it according to reader analysis and after you figured out where you're going to be able to profit best when you get out there marketing your book and all those things are done, then start writing or hire somebody to write for you. Um, In my case, what people do at that point is they just talk to me. Mm -hmm. They don't have to write anything because we've figured out how all this is going to come together. And I've learned that especially public speakers, especially people that make their living getting paid thousands of dollars to speak in front of a crowd, their books don't sound like them. Mm, yeah. They go into college professor mode when they start writing their book and they start talking at people. It's just not good book. It's just not a, as good a book as it would be is if I got, got them on the phone and they just start being themselves, start being the person that they are from the stage. If they don't want to take time to, to, um, work with me, then come to me and we can negotiate a price where you have literally put a recorder on you when you're giving your speeches. Mm-hmm. And from those, we'll transcribe them and we'll get your voice into the book. Because what we don't want is for there to be a different voice when you're on stage mm-hmm. than in your book. Yeah. Because that looks inauthentic, if not downright fake. And people don't want to buy from fake people. Yeah, you are totally right. <laughs> so, so you know, that's, that is step, what is it, step eight, I think, where they <laughs> hand it over to me, you know, that we record the interviews, and at step seven, step eight is me writing the book for them based on those interviews, and then what I think is a very important step is it can be it can take longer for you to take what you've learned in the first eight steps and go build that platform mm-hmm. go get on speakers bureaus go build your community build your website build your your 
your way of revenue. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be time consuming. And it's much more important work for you to do yourself than writing your book. Yeah, that's totally true. Wow, yours is so awesome. (laughs) (laughs) So if anybody wants to get in touch with you to work with you, where can they find you again? It's really, really easy. It's Kate, K-A-T-E, at Authority redefined. And just remember, it's a matter of you're already an authority, and your book will redefine your place in the community. So K-A-T-E at A-U-T-H-O-R-I-T-Y R-E-D-E-F-I-N-E-D dot com. Cool. And we will put those in the show notes so you guys can get in touch with her and write your book. So I encourage all of you, if you feel like you have a book in you, to talk to Kate because she's clearly amazing at what she does. (laughs) Different anyway. (laughs) Yeah. And that's what we want. Unique is what is best. So thank you guys for listening and thank you, Kate, for being here. Thank you. All right. Have a great day, guys. Bye. Thank you for joining me for the Biz Babes with Soul podcast. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. To learn more about me, Melody Spencer, and the show, please visit swiftlysocial.com.